Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, as usual. And as I often like to do, uh, here is a little preview of what is coming up later on the show. For our inbox, how do you break up with a friend who isn't good for you? One of our counselors is going to answer that. And then for our culture segment, author Drew Dick has a book called Your Future Self Will Thank You. It is all about building better habits to hopefully drive you towards the biblical virtue of self-control. So you're probably thinking, I don't want to hear about that. That sounds very discouraging and depressing. Well, you know what? Just listen in. You might learn something. So um, you're going to be able to implement some productive habits into your routine. I actually read this book and loved it. So hopefully you'll glean something from it. But um, especially if you like made New Year's resolutions and you're totally like over them already, this is for you. Okay, here we are for our roundtable. And we have got Georgia, Ryan, and John here. Hey, y'all. Hey, Lisa. Hello. Okay, good to have this conversation around summer, which we are in uh, this week of July, and what it looks like to kind of have, as you're seeing what everyone else is doing, and maybe you haven't done it yet, it's kind of that sense of FOMO, like the fear of missing out of like, is everyone else having a great summer and I'm not? Or how, you know, how am I comparing what other people are doing or saying that they're going to do? I actually was talking to a couple young adults last week um, here at the office and was shocked and a little bit saddened to hear them say like that they hadn't made any summer plans yet. And I'm like, I couldn't even make it through my year if I didn't have like plans. You know, I always have to have something to look forward <laughs> yeah. to. Though usually my plans are like, I have to have plans in the winter because I can't even stand just sitting around and freezing. So I always have to have something <laughs> fun to look forward to. So let's go ahead and talk this out. Um, first of all, especially as it plays into you know, invites, what you see other people doing, social media, blah, blah, blah. Are you the person who can feel left out easily? Like, do you extrapolate something that you hear is going on and all of a sudden you go to worst case scenario of why this isn't part of your experience or whatever? How do you experience maybe um, FOMO, especially hearing things that are they're going on that you're not a part of? Unfortunately, yes, which okay. is unfortunate, as I've said, but I think it's just a natural occurrence. I don't feel like anyone is just perfect and never experiences FOMO. I do think that some people might feel it more heavily than others, but I definitely do experience it in a sense that, you know, even if I have my own plans going on, if there's something else going on, I have this inherent fear of like, well, what if I'm supposed to be at that thing? Like, am I missing out because I can't attend that thing? Or mm -hmm. somebody didn't invite me because they knew I had something else going on. So... Yeah, mm -hmm. I experience it. And then they didn't push it off so that you could attend. They're just like, we're doing it anyway. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it's, about. yeah, I mean, it's okay. kind of it's kind of one of those silly things that you hate that you experience, but I think it is a natural thing that we as humans do feel. Yeah, okay. Ryan, how about you? Um, I don't easily feel left out. It is something that can happen. Uh, but usually if I'm made aware that it is happening, that's enough. I don't, actually, I don't have to be invited to everything that my friend group does or everything that people I know are doing. But if I had no idea that it was happening and then I also didn't get an invitation extended to me, then it's like, all right, I'm a little hurt now. I'm just completely out of the loop. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, if I know about it at all, I'm, I think I'm decently fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, or if you hear that people are like, don't tell Ryan about this because we're not inviting him. Oh, we fight. That would be her. Yeah, that, <laughs> we don't that want would Ryan. Be her, yeah. That would be hurtful. Okay, John, how does this play out for you? 
For me, it really depends on who it is. If it's somebody within my core group of friends and they're getting together and say doing a movie night or it's a guy's night out and I haven't been invited and I find out after the fact, that'd be pretty tough Mm -hmm. for me to swallow that one. But if it's somebody I'm acquainted with, I've been very blessed at work to make a lot of acquaintances and also at my church. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of take it or leave it. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that I feel as if I have to be invited to. But if it's somebody from my core group of friends and I find out after the fact, I'd probably feel pretty left out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think for me too, it's something that um, uh, kind of to what you're saying, John, if it's like something where there's a wide web of people and it's like, there's no way they could think of everyone or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if it's something where I know that I specifically would have enjoyed it and would have been, you know, and then I was just kind of left off the list. That can be kind of hurtful. I was actually, you know where else I felt this? This just came to me. Wow, burn. Um, was <laughs> when, here, here's what happened. Has this ever happened to you guys? Um, a friend of mine got married and because of limiting the guest list, it was like, okay, to her credit, it was a very small guest list, but I'm like, I should have been on that very small Ooh, guest list. So that was yeah. kind of a burn a little bit because that's like a big deal, a big life milestone yeah. and stuff. And so then I'm like going through the small number of people that were invited and I'm like, you know, kind of like comparison of like, okay. How did she what, get invited? Yeah, how did she get invited? <laughs> she hasn't even known her as long as I've known her. What is going oh, on here? This ow. is crazy. You know, that, you... That, was, that just came to me all. I'm going to have to sit that one down a little bit. So. Yeah, no, it's funny yeah. you brought that up because that happened recently. And then it's actually funny because then the girl in question, we were like really good friends in uh, sorority and all my sorority girls, they all live in Dallas. She actually did invite me to the wedding, but when she was exporting like all of her list from Excel into like whatever paperless post or invite Mm -hmm. list, e-invite thing, there was like at least 30 people who got forgotten and like didn't get taken from the Excel to the e-invite. Okay. E-invite. Anyway, and so then she texted me a week before her wedding and was like, I am so sorry. You were invited to this wedding. Because a couple months back, she asked me for my my address and everything. And I just thought, oh, maybe I got booted. And I kind of felt sad because I was like, we were really close in in college. And I really thought I was going to be invited to that. And then lo and behold, I was invited. And then me and like 30 other people their invites got forgotten and lost. And she was like, in the midst of planning the wedding, I I thought it went through and it didn't. And I'm so sorry. I hope you can come. And I was like, well, I can't now. It's a week before, but thanks, girly. Love you. That is just like dangerous. Whoa. Because yeah. first of all, what if she hadn't noticed that? And then she has 30 people who for the rest of their lives may be bitter towards her for not inviting them. Well, I just and then kind a- of assumed, oh, okay, like maybe I didn't make the list because I don't live as close as some of the other girls anymore and yeah. that kind of thing. So I'd kind of just resign myself to the the mature thing, which was that weddings are hard and sometimes you don't yeah. make the cut. But yeah, so I guess it was nice to hear in the long run, but there was a little bit of time where I was like, man, I'm the only sorority sister who didn't get the invite. <laughs> yeah, well, and then too, it's also like, her not knowing who got it or who didn't get it. I mean, that's very big of you to say that, but there are some people that wouldn't think that way. And then what if it's like 
oh, like, weren't you invited? And she'll be like, yeah. oh, well, at least send a gift. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> so then it's yeah. like, okay, <laughs> oh. you know, you may not be coming, but at least send a gift. So, okay. Are there some things that are more problematic for you than others? Like type, like John, you kind of said, you know, if it's something with a really close group of friends, but are there some things where you have felt like where, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh man, that does make me feel sad. Or maybe you can think of a recent example of this, or it could be something, it couldn't be a straight, it doesn't have to necessarily be a straight up like party or event that has happened. It could just be, why is everyone in my friend group making XYZ plans this summer, or they have this going on, or where do people have the money to be going to Cabo twice this year? Like what's going on here? (laughs) I mean, it's like, seriously, I think that we can easily get into a comparative trap with that. Uh, yeah, no, that's something that absolutely happened recently. Okay. Um, if you know that there's something that like you could typecast me into, I, I love being active. I love being outdoors. Like if there was a lumberjack competition that all my friends went to and I wasn't invited, I'd be angry. Um, <laughs> okay. And you so, and me both, yeah. Ryan. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Me, okay. me, cause I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. And, and you for the, the lumberjacks, right? Exa- <laughs> well, no, because I would want to be in the ax throwing. I would go after it full time, full tilt. So no, I'm just kidding. Go trouble. ahead. Yeah. Uh, but like recently there was a volleyball competition and, uh, Mm. One of my friends, uh, he he knew that like uh, several of like our friend group wanted to be in it, and he just he was like, oh, I kind of know that, but I don't, maybe they don't want to, so he just didn't bother to invite a few of us. And then he went and made a separate team. Mm-hmm. And like last year, we had talked about it. It's like, hey, we're gonna make a team this year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we found out, we all banded together. We've been practicing for weeks now. Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna, this is gonna be like the domination of the century, or we're gonna lose first round. Something's gonna happen. Yeah. But yeah, we we formed a team. We named it that friends uh, that friends rejection. We didn't. We didn't I'm not gonna say the name here. <laughs> okay. Uh, and All we right. we are practicing we'll hardcore that so wow. that we can uh, that we can beat it. So sometimes it gets a little petty. Now to be fair, it's all in good sport because like yeah. he was like he apologized like I'm sorry guys I just didn't think and it's like yeah we know you didn't think yeah but that we're gonna win yeah see I feel like my my extrapolation from that would be like if that were me trying to get on that team it would be like Lisa. We love you. You are so much fun. You are have great team spirit, but we actually need people who have talent on this team. And so that is not you. And so, which I could see myself again. I mean, yeah. if this is like a competitive thing, that could be like people are going to get left out if you don't yeah. make the cut. Hello. Yeah. If you're not if you're not sporty, then that's that. <laughs> I do think it's gotten a lot easier, you know, being an adult in you know the working world, just because there is just the sense that majority of the people that I know and that I'm friends with are we all have a nine to five ish job and so obviously when we're thinking about plans and that kind of thing it's easier to consider each other's schedules Mm -hmm. I think in college I did feel it more just because I had to work to put myself through college and so there were a lot of things that my friends could do that I couldn't do and I think that it's easy to get down on yourself and feel left out when you're the only one who's not paying to go to Cabo or not paying to go on a big expensive Mm -hmm. ski trip. But I think you just have to remind yourself that, hey, not everybody has those opportunities and it's not a bad thing. It doesn't make you less worthy. and It doesn't mean your friends love you less. It just means they have the opportunity and they have every right to take the opportunity if that's that's what they want to do. Yeah. 
I just, um, this is so funny because I want to move on. I want you guys to think of the next thing I want to ask is like, what are some plans that you've made for the summer? Like what caused you to prioritize those? And did you feel like, are you doing them with other people so that the priority is kind of like being with friends or what? But I also have to get one more like bitter pettiness thing out because this played out (laughs) recently. Why are these all coming to me now? I need to pray about this. Um, In that, (laughs) no, like um, someone plans something and you're all all, like deciding as a group, like when this is going to happen. And, you know, it's like inevitable. Someone's like, well, I can do these days. Another person's like, well, I can do these days. And they're not the days you can do and whatever. And then the person who's organizing it chooses the day or the days and they are directly not the ones that you can do so you have now been you know someone else has been chosen over you as far as the time that this is going to be made happen lord we just commit this to you right now and just ask that you would just take the spirit of bitterness from me okay i just had to get that off my chest let's talk about this summer and maybe some positive things that are going to be happening in our schedules that we are looking forward to involving folks and or not uh so i'm Lisa, I hate to say it. I'm actually the person who made those plans that uh, that excluded mm. people. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a large friend group. Well, that we I know like to... I didn't get invited, so whatever. <laughs> go ahead. We have a large friend group that, you know, we like to go. Um, we, we have several hikes planned. We have several. Like, we're going all around the state this mm-hmm. year. Uh, we're going to try to see every waterfall that's in this state. Like, oh, my goodness. We got some fun wow. plans. Okay. Um, some overnight camping trips, all this kind of good stuff. Okay. But with that, uh, because There's one was... right over here by P.F. Chang's. Don't miss it. <laughs> just so you know. But go ahead. Uh, and so within that... Uh, there is just like when you start to get a large friend group, democracy kind of becomes overrated Mm -hmm. and you just kind of have to make decisions if you want to get those activities in. Uh, So I am sorry. Uh, for the yeah. hurt, you know, uh, I'm but I'm gonna make my own plans. Yeah, I'm apologizing not to you. you. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. apologizing to you. So vicariously, all the people that I've accidentally <laughs> left out, I hopefully this goes that apology goes out to them as well. But okay. yeah, uh, we're doing a lot of road trips. We're doing a lot of hiking trips. Possibly a beach trip. Oh, oh okay. could be. Yeah, the, the beach episode of the anime. I do like that. So it could be pretty good. I do like the beach. Okay, Georgia. Yeah, I went to New York already with my roommate. Wow. And we went to Utah recently so kind of planned everything at the beginning of the summer <laughs> i don't know why now you have to just work yeah, to, and, now yeah I'm like, okay. and i can only work now um <laughs> i do think that after i got those things out of the way the next obvious thing is to be colorado girly summer so mm. that's kind of the plan is to do a lot of different hikes and camping here in colorado just because there's so much to do here um and then i have a wedding in august so i'll be doing that and then i have family coming in july so those are things i'm looking forward to for the summer well we are saying too you know we're here in the first week of july and summer has tried to peek its way through our june was horrible i mean we were like pacific northwest (laughs) rain levels here where i was very bitter because summer was super delayed and so i'm like don't steal my summer from me y'all i was pretty upset about it so john how about you 14ers, yeah. yes, mountains. Definitely doing some 14ers. At the time of this recording, there's still a little bit too much snow to go out and do them now. But okay. once the snow clears off of Pikes Peak, that will be my indicator. Hey, the mountains are ready. I have between now and September, I think I've got four weddings. Oh, wow. Yeah. To go to. Oh, and I've got another one in December. Hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be a big wedding season for me but especially over the summer months. And one thing I'm really excited about, my grandfather um, sadly passed away back in May, but 
my grandmother, who he was married to for over 60 years, uh, I'm taking her to her first NASCAR race. Oh, wow. So she's 83, <laughs> and I'm very, cool. very excited about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. I've already told her to bring hearing protection. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, that's good. Probably a good uh, good plan as far as that goes. Cool. Um what about like when you feel like you're the one who often has to plan everything or you're the one who, you know, there are some people that just kind of wait around and wait for other people to do all the legwork for stuff. Or I know, Georgia, I know you've been hosting a lot of things yes. lately. So yeah. how do you ever feel like that gets a little imbalanced as to who's taking on the hosting, planning, thinking of things duties? Personally, no, but that's because I love hosting and I love okay. planning things. Mm-hmm. I enjoy doing that. It doesn't really tire me out. Um, if anything, I get more stressed when people try to plan things and then they aren't planned well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, not to call anyone out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I enjoy planning and, and hosting, and I think it's just a fun way. And again, I think that is kind of, to me, one of the solutions to FOMO, where uh-huh. if you're feeling as though you're left out well then the natural solution is to step up be the one to invite people to come and do things even if it's just a simple hey let's go see the new movie that just came out or bowling Mm -hmm. or a small hike or a walk it's not that hard you can ask someone to go hang out and so you don't have to wait around Um, and if you feel as though you're waiting around well then I would ask yourself well am I doing any of the participating and asking people to hang out yeah that's good I think that is such a great point that there are so many things we can do, whether it's the summer or whatever, that where we really can be the includers of mm-hmm. other people. For sure. Again, you know, yeah, you're flying somewhere and it's a big old trip or you're going to a longtime friend's wedding or whatever. But yeah, like a movie night or you're going to catch a new movie on the weekend or a picnic or a hike or whatever. That's a great opportunity to be that person who's going to be welcoming and inclusive and the person who could be like, yeah, you might be new here or maybe you don't have a lot of friends or you just changed churches or whatever. That's a great opportunity for us. Um, To that point, what would be your suggestions for really being that person, that friend um, who's going to lead the way in making sure people feel included and feel welcome. Because I, I think that there is a, um, <laughs> again, I'm remembering a, a thing I was at a few months ago where I was um, actually did a weekend trip with some people where they all knew each other really well. So I was legitimately a third wheel, like honestly about a fifth wheel at that point. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and it was like, it was really awkward because it just made me, it was like a study in psychology of how poor people are at actually including people in conversations and being like, you know, when it's just all like old memories and people Uh are just having like, you know, inside joke weekend and stuff. It was bad. So what would be your recommendation? for folks to just be like, how can you be the person who includes and invites? I really like game nights. Mm -hmm. And I have planned a couple of them in the past. And I've also been on the receiving end of several of them as far as getting invited. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I have found that those can be a great way to get to know people. It doesn't have to be complicated whatsoever. You don't have to make a five course meal. I mean, you could just order pizza Mm -hmm. and then invite people to come play games for a couple hours. And you can find out what makes people tick. You can find out what, (laughs) if you play Settlers of Catan, you can find out what makes people really mad. (laughs) It's a great game. I love, love that game. But if you play something along the lines of apples to apples, you can find out what somebody's sense of humor is. Mm -hmm. So I would say just give people a couple weeks notice and 
does not have to be complicated whatsoever, but mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of just planning game nights. That way everybody gets a chance to interact. Yeah, that is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not exactly a great bonding experience, but like you said, movies, mm-hmm. um, that's good. Also, like, again, hikes, being outdoors, um, any type of activity, like, especially like, you know, like if you want to do like um, disc golf or you want to do something like that, things that can be inclusive to people that you can be competitive with certain people, but you don't have to be competitive with everybody. Mm -hmm. I think like individual sports like disc golf, that's a great example where Mm -hmm. like you can compete with your buddy of like, hey, we're really going to try to like go for it. Mm -hmm. But then people can go there and they can be 10 over par. And like, that's not an issue for them. Um, I really enjoy that because like what you had just said of including people that maybe aren't in the friend group, Mm -hmm. that's an excellent activity that you can put out to your church or to your, like to an extended friend group. Mm -hmm. And that's a great way to start bringing people in, Mm -hmm. you know, intentionality is everything. So, you know, if you, if you can just remember back to the time, everybody was new at some point. Yeah. So just remember back to the time when you were new and it's like, man, what would I would really have enjoyed and having somebody come alongside and be like, Hey man, you know, great throw. And then just start a conversation. Yeah. You know, why'd you come? Yeah. That's a great question to lead in. Yeah. No, that's really good. And and to think to that point of even if there is you're doing an activity that could require some skill, make sure that you're doing it in a way that is attainable for all different skill levels, yeah. you know, so it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so probably like inviting people and saying, hey, uh, we're going to go hit a gymnastics arena and we're going to do the vault, the rings and floor exercises, oh, <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> hope you purge your yeah. routine. So hope your, exactly. your, uh, no one disco, wants to... disco mash is ready. <laughs> no one wants to go yeah. to that. Um, I will say, I think that having an open invite is very helpful. Um, like when I do have bonfires at the house that kind of thing, just saying like, you can invite anyone, like anyone's mm-hmm. welcome. Hmm. And I think that's super helpful so that if in case I have missed someone or I put it in a group that doesn't have, you know, the whole town in it, because mm-hmm. obviously I don't have everyone's number. I think that's <laughs> super helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I also like having reoccurring events, things mm-hmm. that people can look forward to that if they can't make it this time, they can come the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, me and my friends have a book club and we host it once a month. So it's, it's very low key because if you can't come that month, that's totally fine. You can read next month's book and come. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have, this may be controversial but we have a bachelorette watch party um <laughs> and look we know we have a that blog it's, post on uh, that yeah we do we know it's yeah. not good it's really for the laughs and the charcuterie boards okay, oh, okay. it's really just an excuse nice. to get the ladies together <laughs> yeah. for a good laugh um but it is fun because i've met a lot of new women through that experience just from different women and in inviting their friends and then mm-hmm. those mutual friends becoming close friends so i think just having opportunities like that where people can reoccurringly come and then you get to know people over a set course of months or you know weeks depending on how long those reoccurring events happen that's great the only thing i will add as we finish out here is because you know if you've listened to the show for any length of time that i'm a big fan of asking people questions and taking an interest in people and kind of getting to know people have a couple questions in your back pocket because you show up in an event no one is as interesting as you think you are. No one is as <laughs> is as um, articulate as you think you are, y'all. So have a couple questions ready that you can ask people because otherwise you're going to trend towards just talking about stuff that you know and stuff that you like. And that might not be of interest to everyone, but everyone loves whoever said this first. I can't remember if it was John or who or Georgia. Um, 
people love talking about themselves if you draw it out of them and just sharing likes and dislikes and experiences and blah 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 you can be the person that wins at that if you How give it a little bit of effort and influence people <laughs> exactly by with someone carnegie without dale carnegie by dale Car- yes but in this way by also playing games and not being awkward or being in a business <laughs> business model or meeting so you guys super helpful super fun thanks for weighing in on this thanks lisa yeah. thank you lisa but i may hope that you So like me is the everyone it is time for our culture segment this week and i'm going to let you know that this is actually going to be a two-parter this week and next week and so you're going to have to stay tuned for part two as i'm talking through this uh, subject with my guest today but i want to actually you uh, some of you are going to know this guy for a number of different reasons and one of those reasons is that he has written for boundless in the past actually and so a friend of boundless and certainly uh, i am always on the lookout for when he's writing stuff because he has great things to say and really understands in particular, I feel, uh, some of you younger generations. And so I want to welcome our friend uh, Drew Dick here to The Boundless Show. Drew, it's so great to have you. It is awesome to be with you, Lisa. And you're right. I have been a longtime Boundless reader and contributor, like from when I was in my 20s. Now I'm old. I'm on the wrong side of 40, but I still love Boundless. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I wasn't going to out you on that front, but yeah, you know, what, such as it is, people end up Googling people and then we're like, okay, we can't, you know, we can't hide that anymore. But that's okay. I say when I started hosting this show, I was actually a young adult. And so, you know, now yes. I, I feel like I'm the fun aunt who just has a few things to impart to people. So um, that's my story. I'm crazy uncle. <laughs> there you go. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. So, um, well, obviously I had to have you on the show because I we were talking before we started taping about a, a book that you wrote, and it's been out a few years now, but I finally got around to finishing it because I was telling you I'd misplaced it. But uh, this is everyone's ears are going to perk up because the title is Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. And so, and I love how you put up there, like it's almost like a little um, manual or guide. You say a guide for sinners, quitters, and procrastinators. Now, if no one, if, if all of us have not collectively raised our hands for this, why are you even listening to the show? That's what I want to know. Because, <laughs> that covers most people. Right. Yeah. yeah we love <laughs> to just be, you know, we want to walk through life together and feel like we're not alone and feel like we're, you know, succeeding in a couple things and struggling in all the others, but so are, so are our friends. So, um, well, I really love the balanced approach to this book because it's exactly what you say. You bring in a lot of science, you bring in a lot of examples, you bring in a lot of studies that have been done, you bring in your own experiences, which are equally 
sobering and hilarious <laughs> of, of your own things that you've learned. Um, and then you bring in scripture and really what the Bible says about, about self-control. And I want to kind of start out by asking you kind of in, in light of this, I mean, I feel like self-control is like one of those eye rolls, like everyone, you know, to, a nod to Jerry Bridges. This is something that we would consider a respectable sin. Um, that we want to put under the guise of a struggle or just, oh, it's my personality or this is kind of where I where I sit with that issue. But I love how it's pretty early on in the book. In fact, I think it's in the first chapter where you actually say, uh, hearkening back to one of your, your uh, teachers from the past, you say, really, when you think of it, the biggest threat to our freedom isn't any external enemy. It's our inability to control ourselves. And that's a quote um, that I pulled from from your first chapter there. You need to start off by explaining to us why is this and how does it manifest itself? Mm, yeah, and it is such an important topic. You know, sometimes it's trivial. It's like, oh, I ate one too many cookies or something like that. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> self-control or a lack thereof. Uh, affects our lives in some really dramatic ways uh, when it comes to engaging the kind of behaviors and sins that could totally just make a smoking crater out of your life. I think we can all think of even high-profile uh, stories of people who've, who've done things where you just shake your head and you go, what were you thinking? Uh, but often the behaviors can be traced back to a lack of self-control. And so you're right, though. It's, it's a tough sell in many ways to our culture because we live in a culture that says, your, your desires are, are, are sacrosanct, that you need to follow your heart. You need to do what feels good, right? And so when you start talking about self-control, it sounds a little, I don't know, uh, like you're a Puritan or something. And yet, of course, it's in the list of um, fruit of the Spirit uh, listed in, in Galatians. And so it's ab- absolutely crucial for Christians. But just in general, for if you want to live a life of freedom and flourishing, self-control actually frees you. And that's why I think it's so sad that that often it kind of gets that dismissive treatment as if it's something that's just kind of boring and confining, when actually it enables you ultimately to live a life of freedom that glorifies God and blesses others. So I think it's an exciting topic. Of course, I'm biased. No, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Well, and we're going to force you to kind of tell on yourself here in a little bit with some of the exercises (laughs) that you walk through. But um, there's another quote that you you use in the book pretty early on. And and I love this one, too, because I think so many of us, we want to live life in like the big moments, in the mountaintops, in the, oh, I just totally aced this. This was amazing. But you actually quote Anne. Um, Annie Dillard, who says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And it it speaks or hearkens to that, the the faithfulness or the walking it out or the discipline or put the word to it that you want to put to of how this isn't something that you're going to like read. I'm talking to listeners here, read Drew's book and be like, good, I'm glad I read that because now I have all the information I need to just be an expert at this. <laughs> it, it really is a it's a it's a doing it on the daily in the little things. But but talk about how you realized that that was actually the case, because I kind of got the sense that you reluctantly felt like you had to process this book and then write it yourself in your own life. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, And yeah, I think books are, they're written by people who have either mastered a topic or people who desperately need to grow in in a certain area. And I definitely fall into the latter uh, (laughs) part of that equation. Um, But you're, you're right. I think our minds are so conditioned by by movies and, you know, thing, these um, 
pieces of art where there's a dramatic or climactic moment where the hero has to do something especially courageous and it makes all the difference. Hmm. And those moments come along in life, not too often, but kind of what I realized was that actually your, your life is kind of stitched slowly through all the thousand little decisions that you make every day. Um, you know, whether you're going to open up your Bible every day, even when you don't feel like it, whether you're going to show up at church, whether you're going to be there for a friend, whether you're going to exercise self-control and get yourself to the gym or to, you know, and, and it's the accumulated kind of impact of those micro decisions that, that really do make the, a big difference in your life over time. Um, and that was challenging for me because, yeah, I'm naturally kind of a lazy person, I have to admit. Like, I just, you know, and that was a hard realization to come to because every year, you know, you, you read the book, but I, I talk about how I get so excited to make New Year's resolutions. Uh, and, and the funny thing is every year I, I totally believed that I was going to crush them all, right? I was going to read, like, through the Bible twice in a year, and I was going to, you know, run a 10K, and I was going to do all these things. And I was so disillusioned when, when every year I, I'd failed to do that. And it was often because I was kind of thinking in these big dramatic um, moments and I'd get all inspired, but where self-control really plays out is in those day-to-day little decisions that you do. Uh, And so, man, when it comes to to succeeding in life, whether it's (laughs) your career, relationships, your spiritual journey, um, I'll bet on the plotters every time, not the people who do things in a big dramatic moment. Yeah. Well, and you actually use you use the word training a lot throughout the book as far as we're, we're training ourselves. I mean, and, and even scripture says that we train in righteousness, we train in holiness. Um, so I, I think that's very helpful to even have that mindset of like, this isn't just an easy win. This is going to be hard fought. So, um, you know, and, and you say exactly that uh, in the book, you know, I think you said something about, you know, I wanted all these exotic disciplines of like, I'm just going to go back, you know, to the desert fathers and do xyz do but um but i want you to tell the story about the conversation with your wife because this really makes me want to meet her and have a conversation with her because i think this is just stellar um you know you were you talk about it in the context of taking an inventory what are some of the improvements some of the gains that that need to be made what are maybe some blind spots you have so you asked your wife maybe to give a little input in that regard and what did she tell you oh yeah um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that was um that was a little awkward because um I remember kind of I, I kind of started out thinking okay I want to I want to do all this research I want to look at the science I want to look at what scripture says afresh about this topic right but I also want to like try these things out in the laboratory called my life and so I I enlisted her to help me uh, kind of improve and that meant asking her some honest questions like where do I need to grow because you know how we we all see ourselves a certain way, uh, but sometimes um, you get a better, more objective opinion from someone who knows you and is willing to be honest with you. And so she just, you know, she, one of the things she said is, you talk about God a lot, and you talk about theology, and you love those topics, but she said, sometimes I feel like you could be a little more spiritual. And I have to admit, I got a little defensive. I'm like, you know, like, what are you talking about? Um, and she's like, I'm not trying to be critical. She's like, I, you know, I struggle in these areas, too. Uh, but sometimes she said you, you tend to neglect the basic formative disciplines, like just reading your Bible or praying, those kind of alone with God activities. Hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, and I realized, too, especially, you know, we have three kids. Uh, they're still young. And um, they don't know what's going on inside your head, right, all the time. They can't just kind of tell you, you know, 
what you're thinking about God. They need to see it worked out. Like I think of my own upbringing, seeing my dad with a big black Bible on his uh, lap every morning was formative for me. Um, and I realized I need to really uh, make these, these practices a part of my life, not in a legalistic way, uh, but just, you know, to facilitate that intimacy with God. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was hard to hear. But then I went about, as you know, from the book, I have these little experiments where like, I'm going to pray. Okay, I'm going to start praying every morning. I'd, I'd set a little timer for 10 minutes. And I got down on my knees like a weirdo in my office. I work from home <laughs> so I could do that. And I'd, I'd start praying, and then I'd be like, uh-oh, the timer failed or something, because I've been down here for 20 minutes. And I'd look up, and it'd been like seven, right? So <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's funny because you, you realize that when you first start trying to be disciplined in some of these areas, at least for me, it's hard at first. It feels like you're cutting against the grain of your natural impulses and uh, nature. Uh, but that's okay, because if you stick with it, even if you start small and you just do a little bit every day, it kind of gets ingrained in your in your habits and your schedule, and then after a while, it doesn't feel so weird anymore. And I think for Christians especially, we can think like, well, if this feels like hard work, like communing with God, or, you know, um, we, we think somehow we're doing something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, no, it should be easy. It should be beautiful and celebratory every time. But I don't, I think that's actually a myth. I think sometimes, you know, you push through, you do the disciplines, and then the feelings come right? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of backwards from how we tend to think about it. And again, I wasn't out to set any legalistic requirements for, for anyone, um, but I think it's just good practice to kind of stitch some of these good habits into our lives so we can live holy and healthy lives. Yeah. Okay. Well, in light of that, though, I want, because I know that there are listeners who are listening right now and they're like, well, Drew, here's the thing. I just can't really do, I've tried this kind of stuff, but I can't do it because here's what I don't have. I don't have willpower. And Mm. I love how in the book you kind of go after the concept of willpower and how we put what you would say is a little too much stock in it or think that it's going to have a longer tail than it actually has. So tell us a little bit about the science of willpower. Um, I know you, you talked about this experiment that was conducted by Roy Baumeister, you know, with the cookies and radishes and what, (laughs) what that really like illumined as far as what, you know, why does willpower get so much credit and why do you think it ultimately fails? Yeah, that was a fascinating um, moment for me. It was reading about that landmark study. I think it was like in the 1980s, you're right, uh, Baumeister, um, prominent sociologist. Yeah, and basically what they did, they, they enlisted um, university students in the study where they'd bring them in and they'd ask them to solve a um, mathematical problem, a geometric problem. What they didn't tell them is that the problem was impossible to solve. So what they were really testing to, it was to see how long the students would struggle with the problem before giving up. And they split the students into two groups. The first group just came in fresh. They did the problem. The second group had to come and wait in a room where there were these freshly baked cookies. And they were told, hey, please, you know, you can smell the cookies. Look at them. Please don't touch them. You can't eat them. They're for someone else. <laughs> and so these, these students had to sit there resisting these delicious um, uh, chocolate chip cookies. And then they went in and did the puzzle. And the amazing thing was the people that had to resist the cookies didn't even last like half as long as the other people. And what the researchers concluded was that, hey, there's this thing called willpower, our ability to either withstand temptation or do something difficult. And it's a finite resource. That is, it's limited. It runs out. And it runs out pretty quickly. The people that had had to expend willpower resisting the cookies didn't have enough left over to do the math problem. 
Anyway, so that kind of changed the whole field, and people started talking about ego depletion. That is, willpower is this finite resource. You might think that you can hold out against temptation for, for an indefinite period of time or do something difficult for a long period of time, but the truth is you get weaker as you go. And man, when I read that, I just thought of all these Bible passages, you know, like we're taught to flee temptation rather than fight it. Mm. And it makes so much sense because God knows how we're wired. He knows <laughs> that, that if you might fend off temptation once, but then you're going to be weaker the second time around. Yeah. And so, yeah, willpower is this, this finite resource. So you don't want to just depend on it either. That's the other thing. And that's where, where habits come in because habits are when you're doing a behavior and you're not actually expending any willpower or very little because you're kind of on autopilot. It's automatic for you. So if you can build in these healthy, holy habits in your life, they really do preserve your willpower. Sure. And I, I think you gave a great example of that, too. I mean, that this whole thing about willpower, this was like the first time in reading your book that I had ever even heard that. Because, I mean, apply it to, you know, doing sports or trying to lose weight or anything where you're you're trying to white knuckle your way through something and get better at something or accomplish something. And I think this is why so many of us become all or nothing. Like, we're just like, if I can't do it perfectly, then why am I even doing it all? And, you know, if I look at my friend over over here, why is it so easy for them? And you actually talk about that a little bit too, of how some people are just a little more naturally inclined towards having, uh, you know, self-control or discipline. It just, some things come easier for some people. And so the comparison trap isn't going to help us. But I do want you to land on uh, talking a little bit here um, about the habits, about willpower going to habits. Um, you even quote uh, uh, John Ortberg, where he says, habits eat willpower for breakfast, which is a great, <laughs> a great quote uh, there. Um, but talk a little bit about that, because I love how you use the illustration of, you know, when you were learning to drive and how, you know, get, merging onto a freeway was a freak out for you at the time, because you had to engage your brain and say, okay, I got to turn my blinker on. Now I got to get into this traffic. Is there anyone there? Is that it was a whole process that now, because of habit, you don't necessarily even think of. How do we get willpower into habits? Like, what's a great practical way of us starting to do that with some success so we don't feel defeated? Yeah, no, that's, and that's the, the goal, is yeah. to not be reliant on willpower all the time because it is so finite, so limited. Um, and so what you want to do is you want to use that precious commodity of willpower. And incidentally, like you said, when you're trying to do all these different things, it all comes out of the same bucket, right? Whether it's, you know, getting yourself to exercise, getting yourself to read your Bible, interpersonal conflict drains willpower. So you only have so much of it to, to kind of do all the things that you want to do. So the key really is to start small. And this is, was a, a real revelation for me because I thought about my own life and how it set these big, lofty New Year's resolution goals every year. And then I would fail, like, not even in the first month, but the first week, and what I realized I was doing wrong was that I had, I was trying to institute these dramatic, sweeping life changes in multiple core areas <laughs> at the same time. And I had this little pool of willpower that would just evaporate instantly when I tried to do all these hard things at the same time. So the first um, piece of advice that I give people, this is like really practical, is just change one thing at a time. You know, if you're trying to set a new uh, exercise routine this week, don't also change up your whole work schedule. Uh, just focus on one thing and then make it incredibly small. Like if you're trying to start reading your Bible every day, don't start with 
like reading a whole book of the Bible, because that will deplete your, your, your willpower. It'll take a lot of time. And the next day you'll go, oh, I can't do this again. So it may just be reading a few verses the first day. And the, the key is, because habits take about 30 days to cement. Well, you know, there are various estimates. Some people say as many as 66 days for more complex habits. But it, it's at first, like you were talking about, whether it's driving or anything, it's unfamiliar. It takes a lot of intention, a lot of um, effort to do. But as you do it, as you get better at it, as it becomes more routine, then it becomes more automatic. So the key is to kind of push through that habit formation window of thir- you know one or two months, and then you can build on it. Then if you're used to waking up every day and reading, reading the Bible, saying some prayer, then you can go, you know what, maybe I'm going to read a chapter a day instead, but you're conditioned to just like kind of get out of bed, open that Bible, and it's a lot easier once you get those habits um, into your life. Yeah, I I even felt like your your word in there, and you alluded to it about just setting that bar. The idea that there are some habits, especially the ones that are more complex, that you're not going to get in 21 days. Everyone talks about this 21 days. And so people get to 21 and they're like, nope, still don't have a habit, must not work for me. And so (laughs) they just kind of chuck it out the window. And so I feel like that just helps make it more attainable of like, this could be a process. Um, And and so I think that's super great. Um, All right. Well, you are you going to be willing to return um, here next week for the second half of this? Because we have a lot more to get into. I want to talk about the habit loop that you talk about. We have got to talk about procrastination because, oh no, hello. Um, <laughs> My cardinal sin. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we have other things to talk about. So if you're willing to join us, um, let's plan on doing it. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Well, folks, in the meantime, um, and again, you're going to have to wait for next week for the continuation of this, unless you're just binging this after the fact, which is fine. Um, But I want you to know in the meantime that we are making a copy of Drew's book available to you for a gift of any amount to Boundless. So uh, again, we've been talking about your future self will thank you, secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science. And so you're going to want to go to boundless.org. You just search for 805. That's this week's episode. And uh, you'll click on the book cover there. You give a gift to Boundless for the work that we're already doing that you know and love. Uh, Many of you are consistent supporters already, but whatever you can afford, and we want to send Drew's book uh, as a thank you for your gift. And so plan on making that happen. So um, yeah, and and again, we will see you around next week for the second half of this conversation.
Well, folks, as we finish out the show, we are opening up our inbox, which we love to do. We are answering one of your questions. And as often happens, we bring in one of our fabulous counselors. And this week is no exception. We have Carrie here from our counseling department. Carrie, welcome. Thanks, Lisa. So great to have you. Okay. We have a listener who is wondering, this is a friendship question, and we get a lot of friendship questions at Boundless because it is like, how do you do friendship well? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So specifically, our listener is asking, how do you break up with a friend who isn't good for you anymore? What are some practical steps that someone can take? So very simple to the point. Mm -hmm. And I love this question because I think the the listener is asking, what's the biblical response? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's um, a good way to approach this. So I think, thankfully, in Scripture, we have a lot of direction on how to manage relationships. I think that's indicative of of the Trinity and the nature of our God, and there's a lot of Scripture basis for that. Um, I think it shows that we're made in His image, we're relational beings, and but practically speaking, relationships are tricky, um, and they're complicated, and sometimes we do have to reevaluate the health of a relationship. Um, I was thinking about a, a couple of verses that I found. One was... Well, two of them are in Proverbs. One is, uh, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Another one in Proverbs, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So I think right out of the gate, the scripture is saying some friendships are healthy Mm -hmm. and some friendships are unhealthy. Um, So maybe just for the sake of defining the two, You know, a healthy friendship, a healthy relationship is going to be characterized by mutual trust, communication, healthy conflict, common goals, forgiveness, healthy boundaries, things like that. An unhealthy relationship might be characterized by the antithesis of that, unreliable people, miscommunication, maybe manipulation, um, unresolved conflicts, conflicting moral goals, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on through that. The first Corinthians says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So since the question was asked specifically about a friendship breakup, let's presume that the listener has already identified that this friendship is not healthy and for the reasons previously discussed. So now what do we do? I'm I'm probably going to take this a little bit of a different direction and then come back because I think one of the things that's often missing in healthy relational conflict is confrontation. So many times we're trying to see how to get out of a relationship or a friendship without really having an honest conversation around why. Um, Let's imagine that the source of the relational conflict is an issue that this person doesn't even realize even exists. And let's suppose that he or she has developed certain habits and ways of relating to others um, that are self-defeating or divisive, and they genuinely don't see themselves that way. So I think that a good first step before cutting off the friendship is to have a healthy conversation um, with your friend that's based on mutual trust, that's based on those healthy conflict ideas, and confront the issues um, with your friend. Have you openly shared your heart with this person regarding their behaviors or actions? And how did he or she respond? So I find that this is often missing because we're not very comfortable with it. And most of us do want to avoid those kinds of conversations. We kind of just want to drift away and not have them. But the trouble is these conversations are incredibly helpful and can be very healing for the problems that you're addressing. And not just for your friend, but really for yourself as the person doing the confronting too. Because the reality is for the rest of our lives and the days on earth, 
we are going to live in relationship with others. And we never offer ourselves perfectly to any relationship, nor will anybody else offer themselves perfectly to a relationship with us. So I think that's why the Bible also instructs us in Colossians to bear with one another and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgives you. So by seeing ourselves as forbearing people, as the Bible instructs, we see ourselves as a little bit responsible to one another. Um, and with that responsibility to one another comes a responsibility to help one another grow. And this is especially true with sin issues that we might identify with one another. So yes, we want to be mindful of whether or not those issues are in fact corrupting good character. Nevertheless, what if you're the only person who might address the sin situation? and thus aid in saving that person by your bold and gracious confrontation. Hmm. All right. Well, yeah, that is pretty comprehensive. That reminds me of when um, I, I've often said, like, for a friendship to be real, you have to cross that conflict barrier. And mm -hmm. it is, you know, all of us have a lot of acquaintances, and it's just kind of make nice, be friendly, you know, mm -hmm. pass people in the halls, <laughs> whether mm -hmm. at work or whatever. But yeah, to really see how that person responds and be like, that's going to be telling of their um, maturity, their health, their willingness to dig into the friendship. And so I think that's really good and really comprehensive advice. So thanks so much for weighing in on that, mm -hmm. Gary. Thanks, I appreciate Lisa. it. Okay, folks. Well, that is it for this week's show. We've reminded you a couple times that we now have a new voicemail feature here at The Boundless Show where you can click on a simple link and leave us a voicemail about really about anything. It can be a question uh, for this segment of the show. It can be something that you've appreciated about Boundless over the years. It can just be a hello. But specifically, as we head towards our 25th anniversary, which is in September, we would love for you to click on that voicemail link and just leave a short comment about something at Boundless that has been especially meaningful to you, whether on this show or an article you've read, a piece of advice you got, just something that makes that connection because we want to sell celebrate that when we celebrate our 25th. So in the meantime, I will see you around next week. It's Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. It can be challenging to inspire your community to see life the way God sees it. So what's the solution? Well, on June 15th, Focus on the Family is hosting Sea Life 24. And no matter where you are or who you are, you can be a part of this free event with speakers like Ben and Kirsten Watson and real stories about choosing life. Sea Life 24 will inspire you to translate your faith into action. Register today at sealife24.org.